sometimes it, I forget that I have another person's heart until I like get out and run and I'm like oh wait I couldn't do this six years ago I couldn't even dream of running or hiking six years ago. Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy North. Welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast, where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman, mind, body, and soul. By embracing all complexities of being a woman, our goal is to share real stories that inspire growth and empower all women to be the best versions of themselves. And as Maya Angelou so eloquently said, when we know better, we do better. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Today, we have a very special guest with us. It is not only a colleague in our industry that we work, real estate, but also a dear friend. Her name is Claire Larson, and she is the Director of Sales and Marketing for Woodside Homes. She's also a director for the Salt Lake Board of Realtors. She's the recipient of a few awards, the Sammy Award with Utah Business. She's also a recipient of the Distinguished Service Award from the Salt Lake Board of Realtors. So she has a lot of accolades. She is currently volunteering for Intermountain Donor Services, but she's also a former diehard aerobics instructor, and her life came to a big change when she went into cardiac arrest at the age of 29. Is that right, Claire? That's right. Yeah. Before you go there, though, I, I think we it's so important that we point out where Claire is from here in Utah. <laughs> Let's yes, go back. We we don't, we, I, think, I really think it's so important, Claire. <laughs> because you know we, come from the, we come from the same. We are West Side. Deanna, West, West Side girls right here. All three West Side. <laughs> That's right. Well, originally, she's not originally from the west side of Utah. I know. So originally, but but we do want to hear Claire's story. We want to hear, I mean, Claire, start from the beginning. We want to hear where you came from and we want you to jump in. And I think your message and your story today is one that some of us have never even thought of or experienced or even know anybody who's gone through a lot of people don't know, but you're also the recipient of a new heart that you got in 2016. So everybody is so excited to hear your story, Claire. So where, where did you, where did you come from? So a little crazy story about me. I'm originally from Beirut, Lebanon. And if you don't know where that is, that's in the Middle East. And um, my family decided that they wanted to provide a better life for us because there was war going on in the Middle East. So my family migrated to Utah and we moved to Kearns, the west side, <laughs> where Christy and I went to school. But I was 10 years old at the time. I didn't know any English and um, I had to learn the language. And I'll tell you this, if you're in a country where that the language I speak, you learn it pretty quickly, especially when you're 10. You pick it up pretty fast. But so I graduated and I was going to the U and had my real estate license, but I wanted to make sure that I finished what I started. And I started at the U right after high school. And I 
was walking on campus one day and I had cardiac arrest. And I had been an aerobics instructor for a very long time. I ate super healthy. I never smoked. It was like so far out there in my realm of things that could happen to me that I was shocked. Honestly, I I thought I was just hadn't eaten right or something and I was just dizzy and I passed out. But when I went in, that's when I learned I'd had a cardiac episode. And so I had a lot of testing done and that's when they told me that I had a big heart and I was like why you just met me how do you know (laughs) and they're like well no no that's not a good thing and a very rare heart disease where typically you find out when someone passes away in an autopsy so I was super grateful that it was something that I learned obviously while I'm here and there were new medications that were out there. And so they put me on medication and put a defibrillator device in me at that time. And um, that if my heart went irregular and it would go into cardiac arrest, it would shock it back to, to work again, to do its thing that it's supposed to do. So um, one thing that I learned throughout the years, I, just when I thought it, I was all in control of my health and my life, I would have a cardiac episode and it made me realize it's not me who's in control. It's ultimately God who's in control. And it made me reanalyze my life and be humbled a little bit that it's not all just in my control. I can't control everything and I can control how, what I eat, how I exercise, my attitude, but ultimately there's a greater purpose for all of us. And so in 2016, my heart got so big and damaged a few other my organs. So my liver was starting to not function well as my kidney. And they actually had to run some tests to make sure that if they were going to put me on a transplant list, that I didn't need a liver and a heart transplant. And that was a super shock to me because for 16 years, I had known that my heart was deteriorating, but I didn't know my other organs were suffering so bad. So that totally threw me for a loop. But fortunately, they determined that once I have a good heart, that my other organs should be better. And I do have tests occasionally to make sure that everything is going well and it my liver is fine. Thank it just one of those things where it totally came out of left field. So in 2016, my heart got really bad and my organs were really bad. So they just told me that I needed to get on the transplant list. And I had some tests ran. And one of the ways that they found out that my defibrillator had gone off on January 30th of that year, and I didn't even know that it had gone off. I was actually in Yellowstone snowmobiling in the Yellowstone cabin. And if my defibrillator hadn't worked and the miracle hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here to share my story because that could have been the end. I even have the the echo from the printout from my defibrillator. And I keep that close to my heart because it makes me appreciate every single day that I'm alive because I am so grateful that I'm alive. <laughs> Well, Claire, I just can't, I mean, at such a young age too, 
I mean, such a young age, the last thing you're thinking about is having a heart problem and you're so fit. I mean, I've always known you to be very fit. You are like a badass when it comes to fitness, (laughs) (laughs) but that had to have been terrifying. It, It was terrifying in the sense of how my husband and my son and my mom would handle it because you know, as females, we're always worried about everyone else, right? And that's one thing that I learned through the 16 years of having my heart disease is it's the number one killer of women. And women don't even take the time to find out what their diabetic levels are, what their blood pressure is, what they need to do to make sure they're taking good care of their heart. And I met a lot of women that way. And the sad thing was 80% of heart disease is preventable and mine is not. And so I wanted to scream at the top of my lungs, you can do something about your heart, do something. And at that time, there was nothing I could do. My heart was just going to do its thing because it was congenital. It had nothing that I was or wasn't doing that was making it better or worse. But, but 80% is preventable. Yeah. That's a 80%. big number. That is a huge number. If people would talk to their doctors, ask questions, find out what their blood pressure is. There's a lot of times where uh, symptoms are different for women having heart attacks versus men. And everything you hear about is what it does to men, the chest and the pressure and whatnot. But believe it or not, some of the symptoms that women have is indigestion. And who would think of that? You know what I mean? And just fatigue and some of the things, your ankle swelling, you know, you think that's just a normal thing, but there are little signs that tell you that there might be something wrong. And I'll be honest, for me, when I, when it, it was first happening and I hadn't gone in to get it checked out, I was on the bike and I was riding like on level one and I was so tired and I was like, man, I'm a wimp today. It wasn't that there was something wrong with me. It was like, wow, I need to kick this up a notch. And so we put the pressure on ourselves instead of going, oh, my body's giving me a sign. <laughs> so attention but- and the awareness. And I think, like you said, we sometimes just get so caught up in our everyday that we're not paying attention to those little signs, as you put it. But just being super connected with our bodies would be helpful for us to yeah. be able to. I've seen actually experienced through family member that, believe it or not, in his fifties and no signs, nothing to, to trigger other than he decided he was going to go to the gym, start going to the gym and thank goodness the trainer required him to go get a physical and oh, wow. he went in for the physical and was in triple bypass heart surgery three days later. Oh my gosh. So wow. maybe it was double, but regardless, um, <laughs> was in three days later, they, they basically, if it had not been for that fitness instructor. So we, we kind of like dismiss that when we are told to go get a physical before we start engaging in an activity. And I think that it's so important for us to pay attention Mm -hmm. to that and to respect that. Yeah. And you know what, when Claire, when you say that, like, I think about, there are times that I have went down, I've got on the Peloton and not that there's anything, but you do mentally, I'm just like, man, I just don't have it in me today. And to think about it, and you don't want to panic every single time, because as you also, as you age, 
we have a lot more of that. <laughs> it's more <laughs> frequent. But so tell me about, tell us about the journey of when they're like, I mean, did you know, once you were diagnosed, did you know, or think you would ever have to be on the transplant list? Was that always a potential? So when I was first diagnosed, that they had already started the workup. They at that time, 16 years ago, they were thinking I may need a heart transplant. But they put me on a new medication. And fortunately, my doctor's goal was to keep me alive with my heart for as long as he could. Quality of life at that time would have been better with my heart versus being a transplant recipient. And that was in 2000. Yeah. And so my heart hadn't progressed to the point where my quality of life would be better with a transplant versus my own heart. And my doctor, honestly, after the fact, said I was honestly concerned that with how you would react after the transplant, because you were so healthy in your mind before that I didn't, I wasn't sure how all the medication would progress with you. And so, but I was very, very fortunate. And I honestly was so blessed that I'm, I only had to wait. So I was, I was put on a list on May 20th and I received my heart August 27th. So, and it's, it's unheard of. And so, and I, I tell you, when you look back and you think of all the miracles that were just set up along the way, when my doctor called me that morning at 5 a.m., he's like, this heart was supposed to go somewhere else, but it wasn't, we weren't able to coordinate it. Are you in town? And the question is, I was should have always been in town, but I always went out of town and he knew me a little too well to know that I didn't follow rules. And he, I was like, yeah, I'm in town. I and he's like, I need you to get to the hospital right away. And my husband was actually out of town and he drove like a bat out of hell to come back from Island Park and to be there. But that's like, it, there's so many. And I think about too, the medical technology that's improved from 2000 to 2016 and how many transplants have taken place throughout that time that I just, am, there's, so many, and I couldn't have had my son had I had the transplant in 2000. And that was a miracle in itself to be able to have him three years later. So there's so many things that when you look back, you realize everything happens in its own time for a purpose. You don't realize it as it's happening. You always realize it in the rearview mirror. It's so perfect. Uh, it just is so perfect. And we just need to honor the perfectness of how it all plays out. Discover adventure, discover luxury, discover Moab with exclusive retreats for your next vacation or event. Wake up to amazing views only minutes from Utah's most breathtaking national and state parks and Moab's best shopping and dining. Enjoy your fully stocked vacation home with private pool and hot tub. Every room is a luxurious private suite. Plus, daily maid service and private chefs are available. Exclusive retreats. We're not your home away from home. We are better. Book today at ExclusiveRetreats.com. Claire, one of the things I admire about you so much is just your outlook on life and your gratitude that you express every day. 
like anybody who knows you, who has worked with you, or I'm sure knows you personally, I'm sure family, friends, some of your quotes that I saw on your LinkedIn, which I love, you had a couple that I love, but you wrote, and I can't remember if I saw it, it says, love life and it will love you back. And I love that. I just, I was like, of course she said that. Of course she had that on there. And then I also loved in one of your bios, you had, you know, the attitude is everything and you coach your sales team rather than manage them. And you are just, you're constantly like I watching you go through that journey. I remember watching when you went in and you posted different things and I just, what was that feeling to, to wake up and know you have a new heart? What was that like? Honestly, I, first of all, (laughs) when they were like taking the tube out and all that, my first response was, did I get my new heart? Because when they open up the donor and they open you up, it's not always going to happen. And so you don't know until they've actually, so they take a look at all of your, your, the blood work and the history of the donor, but until they actually open up the body, they don't know for sure that it's going to be the right heart. And you know, going in, that's unbelievable that you're going yeah. in knowing there's this risk, not risk, but this chance that it is a risk, Yeah, but, yeah. but the and hope that you're going to get it and you may not. Well, and that's why I had a friend that I had watched my son while I went to the hospital to get it. And she posted it on Facebook. And now mind you, <laughs> bless her heart. <laughs> She meant it for the right reason because she wanted people to pray, but no one in my family knew except for my immediate family. My mom, my brothers, and my husband and my son were the only ones that knew that I was even waiting for a heart. There were only maybe, there weren't as many people that even knew I had a heart issue for 16 years. And so I, we, I have family across the world. And so my mom was getting calls from Australia, from Lebanon, from France. What's going on? So it caused like a turmoil because it wasn't. And my big fear about even sharing it was what if this isn't the heart? And now everyone knows I'm a broken person. You know what I mean? You always wonder about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it just, it confirms. I have always been a donor, you know, on your license, you put, are you an organ donor? Yes or no. And I have always believed in it because you hear the stories and just think, wow, what a gift. What a Uh, gift. Oh my gosh. And then to hear your story, it's just, I hope people consider doing that. How do, I mean, I am just curious because you're a volunteer or you're still a volunteer, right? For, I can't. Yep. Okay. Intermountain donor. Yep. donor. Is it hard to get donors? Is it, what is the, do you know how long the waiting list typically is for people? You said yours was fairly quickly and you were so, lucky. It, so there are, you, people can be living donors and I think people forget about that. So kidneys are a big need and we have two kidneys. And so if you donate one, 
the other one will still function. Uh, it, you know, there are a lot of things. And I know uh, a realtor who donated part of her liver to her husband. And so because he couldn't find a match and they were a match. So there are ways that you can do that. But for a liver and a heart, for the major donor organs, you they has to go from the body has to be the has to be alive. So the person at the brain has to be functioning and the organs have to be moving in order for it. The brain can be dead. I'm sorry. The brain is somebody who's possibly brain dead that the don't, the organs can be transferred because it has to be done within a five hour period to be able to be received properly. So it has to move pretty quickly, but there, it, people don't realize, honestly, I didn't know how sick I was until after I got my new heart. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that walking, uh, kids, you progressively get worse, right? So it took 16 years for me to get worse. And for me, it was, like you said, I'm getting old. I'm just getting weak. The spider stairs is kicking my butt. But you think, oh, it's just because I'm out of shape. It's not because my heart wasn't going well. It was always because of me, right? So I realized that, wow, walking across the street isn't a chore. I shouldn't be heavy. I shouldn't be winded. You know what I mean? Some of the things that I take for granted now, I used to go to sleep, especially when my husband was deployed, and hope that I'd wake up in the morning to be able to take care of my son because, I, you know, you just don't know. <laughs> and so it's, so there's no like greater gift than a donor, whether living or passed away. It, it, there is no greater gift. And Claire, you said earlier, and I'm hoping you can recall, but when you're thinking about this donor and you are waking up for the day and you're having your gratitude, because I know you do, <laughs> what goes through your mind when you are going through that process and this person? that you now have their heart. Yeah, I, I, I don't know my donors. So my whole purpose in being part of their volunteer services is to express my gratitude to all donors. And the biggest thing is, is I know this sounds weird, but I'm always like, God, please tell my donor thank you for me. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but it's something that I do all the time. I'm like, Tell my donor, thank you. And it, 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 I met a woman who was a donor mom. Her son passed away in a car accident, and they were able to donate many of his organs. And I was on a radio talk show with her. And when she was telling me that, she said, Claire, I'm a grandma now. But this gentleman that received my son's heart, wouldn't have been a dad if he didn't receive my son's heart. And honestly, that day, I could not stop crying. And I, it made me realize that if I could tell my donor family how grateful I am, and I started writing my letter, I still haven't heard back, but I still plan on writing again, just to tell them how grateful I am. But when she told me, she 
that literally she said, Claire, I'm a grandma. This guy wouldn't have been able to even have a baby without my son's heart. So beautiful. Oh my gosh. So Claire, I have a question for, I would love advice from you, advice that you would give to all us women um, of any age. What are the best things we can do for ourselves as far as it comes to health and, and paying attention? It's know your numbers. Know, know your, your blood pressure. If you know the blood pressure, if you know your weight, if it's, you know, it doesn't matter the number on a scale, it's how much fat is running through your body, right? And your diabetes has a lot to do with heart disease. So checking your sugar and all that. And it's like you said, the physical. Ask your doctor some of these questions. How do I make sure that my heart is healthy? So cholesterol, your blood pressure, and your diabetic levels. Talk to your doctor. I think the biggest thing is ask questions. Sometimes it's a numbers thing, getting in and getting out. Ask questions. So tell us a day in a life of Claire today. (laughs) What are we doing with our new heart every day? (laughs) Every morning is I go walking or running for at least an hour. That is like literally the first thing I do every single morning. And then I have my coffee and then I get to work. And in the middle of the day, I get out and I walk for even 15 minutes. And then when I get home, I just detox and walk. I, I love to walk. It may it helps me think. It's more of a getting ready for the day and depressurizing from the day in the evening. And it doesn't have to be very long. It's just to kind of get any negative mojo out of my body, walk it out. <laughs> and I besides the crazy work things we've got going on. But I honestly, I think the other thing is always making sure that you check your attitude. Then no matter what, just be grateful because no matter what's going on around you, you have control of how you feel and how you react. And that's a huge one. Oh, I love that. Okay, Claire, we always ask our guests, if they could go back and talk to their younger 20-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself at 20 years old? It's all going to be okay. Enjoy the ride. I would not change a thing. I have met so many amazing people, even through this journey. Enjoy the ride. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment. 